Hello, and welcome to the Karen Discipleship Podcast. I'm Craig Marshall, and I'm here at the 2017 Summer Institute. And it's been a blessing to get to speak with our various speakers who have come in from all over the country to bless us during these few days as we look at the topic of addictions, grace for the journey. And for this podcast, we're happy to have Dr. Charles Hodges with us. Um, Charlie, we've spent quite a bit of time together a while ago doing an observation video, but it's great to see you again. Good to be here. Charlie, I was wondering if you could tell us what you'll be talking about here in your general session. Well, in the general session, I'm going to talk about how the physiology of addiction, how how the how the drugs themselves affect the brain and the body, make it uh, more challenging to do biblical counseling. Part of the reason uh, we thought of you right away in this lineup for the talk on addictions is your um, profession as a medical doctor. And so I, I would think most of our listeners by now, you've come to many IBCD events now and spoke spoken, but um, it's, it's great to have you on board in biblical counseling with your medical understanding. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to biblical counseling from doctoring? Yeah, I, I, I graduated from medical school in 1975 and did an internship and then went out and practiced for oh, probably 14 years in um, a small town in the Midwest. I, 10 years in, I, I can say, honestly, I got just a little bored. And I know that sounds really strange, but, you know, I was trying to come to grips with the idea I'd be working in a small town for uh, a long time. And I decided to go talk to my pastor, who was my brother, about what I could go back to school to study and um, uh, that would be useful at church. And he said counseling. So I got involved in a counseling program with uh, with the university. And it was a, um, a counseling program, an integrative Christian counseling program, and uh, earned a master's degree in, in that. And uh, then I was at church doing counseling. Uh, eventually, I went back and did a couple years worth of uh, more of residency, uh, which um, brought me to be able to be board certified, which was very important. Um, and after I uh, got that done and I had returned um, back to uh, private practice, um, I was doing counseling uh, with the degree that I had earned. And... Um, I what I found out was that I, I didn't think the results were all that good. I, you know, I thought there were some people that I could honestly talk to an hour a week for the rest of their lives and it would make absolutely no difference in their outcome. And about that time, my brother went up to the uh, training up at Faith Church in Lafayette, Indiana, and took the uh, 11 week training. And he came back counseling differently and pastoring differently. And I got very interested in that and decided I wanted to go up there. And so in 1980, I went up and took the um, February conference course. And Dr. Bob Smith, who was running the program at that time, found out that I was there and recruited me to stay. And I did. And, and I pretty much have been teaching uh, biblical counseling there since then. Wow. You know, I don't know that I ever knew the the counseling component of your training before biblical counseling, but that you were involved in that practice. Yes, I um, the degree program um, was uh, from a, a large university, which will remain unnamed. But um, the, uh, I, I learned a great deal. I always tell people that it wasn't uh, a biblical counseling degree. 
but that my children tell me that they 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 noted a marked improvement in their lives when I went back to school. Right. So you know, I, I I know that some of the things that I learned was a was a benefit to them. Mm-hmm. Not everything I learned was uh, useful, but a good bit of it was. It's really good to know. And then, yeah, the connection with Bob Smith and uh, and faith there. And so, it's it's been great to have you uh, speaking into a lot of these issues, especially where they intersect this strong bodily component. That brings us to the observation video that we were able to film. Was that last year that we did that? I guess. Yeah, I think it was in the summer. And it was dealing with a bipolar situation. Can you tell me a little bit about your thoughts? I mean, there were conversations leading up to that of seeing if you'd be willing to do it. Um, what did you feel when I first approached you about the idea? Well, I think my first response was that I'm not an actor. <laughs> and I, I had actually participated in uh, some attempts to make observational videos uh, a good while earlier, and it just didn't turn out really well. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so I was a little apprehensive. I was willing to come and try and uh, do my best, but I, I didn't know how it would turn out. Yeah. And then throughout the experience, what was it like counseling in that setting, I guess? Actually, it was just like I was counseling people. I, I think the difference between what we did in, in making those videos and what was done earlier was actually there was a lot of help. You, you actually, the, uh, counsel, the, the two individuals who were counselees uh, were actors who had experience with bipolar disorder. Um, uh, the one, um, Aaron, his... Um, had a family member who uh, was had manic depression, bipolar disorder one, and so I think that made a huge difference in the um, in the way that it went. And then you had great technical uh, crew members who uh, guided us along and and made the process work out well. Mm. Yeah, it was a it was a, a busy few days just just cranking that out. That's a and a lot of that's intense counseling. <laughs> Well, and once we started, honestly, most of the time I I was I was just in counseling mode. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking in terms of this being an acting um, opportunity or anything like that. I was really just talking to that uh, young man and his wife uh, about their situation and what I thought the Lord would do in their lives uh, if they were willing to apply the scriptures to their situation. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what comes across, I think, in in watching them is how you're you're into that, and it, it feels like we're watching you do what you would do, even if these people weren't acting. I look back on that, and to me, just the f- finding Aaron and Ellie uh, themselves, it was amazing how the Lord brought them to us, and just um, Aaron's experience. Uh, growing up in that situation and then also ability to convey it. And then Ellie being very familiar with that as well and the struggles that, that couples have. So it seemed to seemed like it set you up with a realistic situation. So that was great. Yeah, it was. I was very pleased with the way it came out. Great, great. I, I think one really big difference is was that... Um, the in the initial experience I had with making making videos, I was just in a room with a couple of counselees, and there was a camera overhead, mm. and that was it. Wow, you know, and yeah. it it didn't turn out well enough that they wanted to use any of it. Mm. So, I, I think putting it in a different setting, mm-hmm. and then having some idea what direction the counseling was going to go was a big help. Right. Yeah, people often kind of ask us how scripted these things are and stuff. And with this one, especially with the complexity of the issues, we would spend time talking. Well, leading up to it, I talked quite a bit with Aaron and Ellie 
about the overall arc of the narrative and, and what the characters would be experiencing. And we dialogue back and forth uh, as I fed that information to you. And then in between the sessions, we're able to debrief a bit and and make sure we're all on the same page. But then during that hour of counseling, you're just counseling them, mm -hmm. uh, knowing the basic arc. Yeah, there really wasn't a script, but we had an idea where we were going and, and what might occur and what we wanted to accomplish. But it wasn't down to the dialogue. Right, right. Well, uh, I'm glad that was a, a good experience. We really enjoyed doing that. And we've heard great feedback from the people who have watched them. And um, I love that it's it's bringing uh, a depiction of how to handle a situation that has such a strong physiological component to it, but that's yeah, also... This is a, a really good case that shows how medicine and the, the Bible interact in a situation where the, that a good bit of what's happening in the, in the behavior has a medical base to it. So there's an underlying brain disorder that results in the behavior that you're seeing um, uh, to some extent, um, but at the same time, the young man had a choice. He had choices to make. And it, so it gave us an opportunity to explain how, as a biblical counselor, you would take that opportunity to, to help him make uh, good, wise, biblical choices instead of some of the ones he made. Mm -hmm. And um, But at the same time, recognizing that, uh, like in, in one of the sessions, his, uh, his behavior, there really wasn't a whole lot I was going to be able to do about that from a counseling viewpoint, and that it required me to send him back to his physician and then see them again at, an, at another visit. As you, you're devoting a large part of your life to teaching people and training people in biblical counseling um, topics, and it's, does a lot of that focus on the medical components because of your background? Is that usually what you get asked to teach, or do they have you teaching everything? Yeah, I always say I have a, a niche in the market or whatever, but I uh, yes, uh, a lot of the time what they want me to talk about are um, medical problems, uh, problems that are defined mostly in medicine, but have significant fallout, um, in, in the family and on the individual that uh, will have biblical counseling solutions and uh, that would help them. I, for, uh, the conference that's coming up this February, I'm going to be writing a couple of lectures, one on autism and another on traumatic brain injuries, because really nobody's written a whole lot about either of them, um, and um, so it, it, we thought it would be useful if we could look at it from a medical viewpoint and then um, and then see what the scriptures have to say that may be of help. I'm thrilled you're writing about those topics. So it was one of the things I wanted to ask you is if there were things you're researching uh, now. And how is that going in regards to the, the autism question? Has research changed a lot about that as of late? Or is it also I know Laura Hendrickson wrote a book. Um, about the autism spectrum. And I've also heard things that it's no longer a spectrum or I'm not sure where places are on that. Well, um, you know, I, I always said that uh, Laura's book um, uh, is, you know, a very, very good resource, mm -hmm. you know, probably the best resource we have from a written from a biblical counseling viewpoint to this day. Uh, but uh, what they're calling autism has certainly been changing over the last decade. You know, uh, I, initially it got widened considerably. I, I think they have tried to narrow it a little bit um, and push some things like Asperger's back into 
that cat into the category of autism. Um, so uh, what you've noticed about things changing as far as uh, the public press are concerned about autism are true. Uh, situation for the kids hasn't changed a bit. You know, they're still facing the same issues. And um, useful uh, for parents to be able to know uh, what part of this uh, is very medical and then what part of it is um, normal childhood behavior that would be better addressed from a good parenting mm-hmm. uh, viewpoint. Yeah. Boy, it gets complicated to tease those things out. So. Oh, terribly complicated. I, uh, I, you know, I, I approach writing about it with some hesitancy. Uh, I've never uh, had a child personally mm-hmm. who struggled with autism. I've had friends who have. I have friends who do. Um, I have cared for some individuals with, with the label. I, um, and I, you know, the, the thing that I really try to avoid are statements that uh, can be considered judgmental about uh, the kind of parenting the parents are doing and how that contributes to the problem and things like that. I think it's, 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 a, it's a difficult position to be in as a parent. Yeah, I'm, so I'm really glad you're able to give attention to that. And you'll be delivering that in February at um, the conference there in Lafayette. Can you tell our listeners, a lot of our listeners probably haven't had a chance to get to Lafayette in February. And uh, the Southern Cal- California residents, they'd be in for a surprise, I think, in that. But. A, a, a cold a cold surprise. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about what that conference is like? Well, it's a week-long conference, and we teach uh, five levels of biblical counseling, uh, starting with the, in, in, in a week, in about 30, 35 hours, we teach them all the lectures that are in the first level that we teach over about 11 weeks every semester okay. up at Lafayette. And we've done that. Uh, initially, it started out that we would do that for missionaries. And in fact, it used to be called the Missionary Conference wow. and uh, because they would be home on furlough and they, they, they couldn't um, devote 11 straight weeks, a lot of them. And so we thought that it would be very important for them to know at least the, the concepts. If they didn't get to watch counseling, at least they could know the concepts. And that, what that grew into was a conference, uh, and I think it started out with maybe 50 people, and you know, this past year we had close to 2,000. And, um, and uh, a good number, maybe I think a couple of hundred of them were Spanish-speaking people from all over the world wow. who are coming to get training in biblical counseling. So that's the that's the February conference. We have levels that go on up because we try to address more uh, problems, and then eventually one level is aimed at helping people be uh, certified uh, by the uh, Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. And what they do for the week is sit there and write out the questions wow. for the test, and we help them uh, as they do it. Yeah, and boy, to take a week to be given a week to take a week, whatever it is, to just focus on those exams. That's where a lot of people really get stuck in the process. Um, ACBC's good training process. Mark Shaw is with us here at our conference this year, talking about addictions. And I knew um, you guys knew each other from Lafayette, but I also I didn't realize that you had connection through Vision of Hope. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Vision of Hope is a residential facility for young women. I think Mark said ages 14 and up. And um, it is for women who have uh, struggles, uh, some of them uh, with self-harm, others with uh, drug use, um, uh, you know, the uh, others with eating disorders. And they uh, 
come and they stay there for months. You know, this is, I think it's a year program and uh, for some of them and um, or longer. And during that time, they are taught biblical principles that apply to the behavioral and emotional problems that they struggle with. And then they live in a situation that's safe and supportive and uh, which uh, offers them the opportunity to uh, work and to um, uh, eventually after they get out of the first level and and then to uh, grow and change and become more like Christ in the process. While I'm there, um, Mark is the director of the program. Uh, I am the medical director and I attend to the medical um illnesses and issues that arise while the re people are there in residence. Um, and, uh, and then I do some counseling, uh, particularly in areas that have uh, a medical aspect to them that uh, it's important to have a physician uh, along. Now, coming from your experience in, in medical training and then also in some counseling that was a little different from biblical counseling, um, what were your thoughts going into to this type of ministry? Well, I'd have to say that, um, you know, coming from a psychiatric hospital background, mm -hmm. you know, when you when you think in medicine about where do these problems get cared for, it's going to be in a psychiatric hospital. I, I you know, I, I guess I, I, I guess you could say I had misgivings about, you know, what the success or the outcomes might be. But I can honestly say that now that I've, I've been part of the program for a good while and watched it closely, that um, I'm very impressed with the outcomes. There are some times when individuals need a place to go. You know, their situation is, is just so... Um, messed up, I guess is a good way to put it, that they, they need a place where they're out of the environment that, uh, is the, that is the opportunity for them to have more trouble and is also a threat to them, uh, and one in which they uh, can hear the scriptures taught and biblical principles taught. Um, and I've just been very uh, pleased with what we see in the growth and change in the young women who come there. We've also started um, a similar facility called Bethany Farms, uh, and it's uh, aimed at um, young men who uh, have other similar problems, uh, uh, particularly with substance abuse. And uh, it just got off the ground, but it's doing well as well. Wow. Now, are the people who are a part of that mainly from the community there, or do people come from outside for a residential program like that? Or uh, People come to that residential program from all over the country. Okay. It's great to know uh, about resources like that because, boy, you come up against situations where you just you need like a restart, a different environment, that constant care. And mm -hmm. uh, it's really hard to find those type of places, especially if they're rooted in good biblical gospel-centered thinking. It, the list is very, very small. Yeah, it is. It's great you're able to be involved in that and glad to hear it. Uh, I'm sure it's difficult too. And then uh, that's that's one thing I've been asking a lot of people just during this podcast is as you have been involved in biblical counseling and you've seen great change in people's lives, I'm sure you've also seen times when people don't change and very difficult things happen. And um, I'm sure you You've seen that in the medical world as well. And I, I'm just wondering for our listeners, uh, how you handle some of the those difficulties and heartbreaks uh, that happen? What keeps you going in that? Well, I think you have to have a, a good motive for being in counseling, period. Um, 
You know, if you spent 40 hours a week listening to some of the things that I get to hear, uh, uh, it, it could be very distracting. And I, I think if you're not there because you want to glorify God with your life more than you want to breathe, you're probably in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So I, I think having a proper motive for being there right up front is, is one of the better things. And then I, I believe, it, certainly from a biblical counseling viewpoint, that it is always important to keep in mind who's doing what. You know, I'm not changing anybody. I can't make anybody repent. Uh, I can only show people what the scriptures say. It's, uh, I think it's 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, where it says, The Lord's bondservant must be kind to all, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. And then it goes on to say that if perhaps may uh, God may grant them repentance and they may come to a knowledge of the truth and then escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. And I, I show that to young counselors because what I really want them to know is that it is God who grants repentance, not us. That no, not everybody who comes to counseling is going to repent. As I, as I told one one counselor the other day, you're not going to win them all. So, you know, some folks are going to come up, take a good look, and decide that they'd rather go about life the way they've been going about it. And so when you keep that firmly fixed in mind, then I, I think, you know, the disappointments about when people choose to go a different way it, are are bearable. You know, it's not it's not my responsibility to uh, to make people change. It's my responsibility to show them in scripture how they could. I just want to thank you so much for being with us at this conference and the other events you've you've been with us for and we really benefit from your training, your counseling, your writing and your acting, I guess as well. But <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the opportunity. I, it's a privilege to be able to teach. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to teach uh, uh, biblical principles. And so I'm glad to be here. And finally, for our listeners, I just wanted to mention that by the time these episodes are airing, all of the audios from the conference will be available for free on our website, the pre-conference, workshops, everything, and videos from the general sessions as well, all available at ibcd.org. That's ibcd.org. That's ibcd.org.